Hello and welcome to another edition of Fide's Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. You know, we have been um, talking about our kids in in so many levels on my show. This is a conservative pro-life podcast per se, um, although I talk about lots and lots of subjects. But the one subject that has come up uh, so, so often and, and sadly is uh, the abuse of our children, whether it's from abortion or it's from, uh, you know, you know, indoctrination or it's from the sexualization of children. Uh, we are basically seeing a an attack on children. And it is so, so awful because when we attack the children, we in, attack the innocence and we attack also future generations because how our children are raised has an impact on how they raise their children. So this has always been a very passionate issue for me, uh, something that I've been focused on uh, seemingly more and more on my show, and I'm going to continue doing that, especially since I have older kids and I have younger kids. Uh, my guest today is Bridget Bosco. Um, I found her online, and she's one of those fighters for children. And so I said I have to have her on to talk about the things that she's passionate about, and uh, she is joining me today. So, Bridget, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Jared. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to have you. So I want to maybe just start a little bit of background on you and, um, you know, tell tell everybody where you're from, what's your background, what do you do, and really what motivated you. Obviously, you have a dog, too, so we know that. Those watching, you're, you're seeing a beautiful dog, actually. Uh, so, you know, and what ultimately got you into, you know, to the point of speaking out in support of uh, our children? Sure. Great question. Um, I'm just going to warn you and the viewers. There are actually three dogs. No problem. In me, it's so. all good. All good. <laughs> I'm in a den right now. Um, yeah. So I think that one of the things I've come to realize, and I've I had some experience on Capitol Hill as a speechwriter, um, and then working um, for a pro-life organization called Live Action. So I've I've kind of done different work in policy since graduating and in communications. And you know, I've come to realize more and more having worked on Capitol Hill, which is obviously the hub of politics for our country. And then most recently working at a news station that, you know, communication is great. Politics is great, but there are huge issues happening at the ground level, particularly towards children that are so much bigger than politics that are so much bigger than the news. And it's really thanks, I think, to podcasts and people like you, kind of the mom and pop shop communicators that are really having the tough conversations that are not staying in the news cycle and they're not staying you know, they're not hot topics and they're very uncomfortable topics, uh, particularly abortion and child trafficking. So I just came to realize, I think, really through trial and error um, that politics, though a, an important part of the picture, the news, I, I say it may be a little bit of the picture, but less of the picture. Those things that I tried professionally are not the answer. The answer is tough conversations, raising awareness. Um podcasts, prayer, like all these things that are much more organic and homegrown because the attack on innocence is diabolical. It is pandemic in this country. And, you know, my greatest fear is that obviously the children that are being aborted, they can't come back. They have no voice. They've been slaughtered in their mother's wombs. But these children that are trafficked, 300,000 children a year that go missing in the United States of America, in the next 10 to 15, 20 years, those kids that survive, that aren't killed in the process or don't take their own lives, 
they're going to come out of the woodwork and we are going to have to answer for the fact that we've been doing next to nothing as a country to protect them. Yeah, no, I think that's such a great point because obviously we want to save them and and people, many people are, uh, they're they're being saved, they're surviving and whatnot. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, you're right, they ultimately will become teenagers, young adults, they'll have children, and they're very, very damaged people. And it's not just those that are trafficked or abused, right? It's it's also those that are, are I, I like to say they're being groomed with being sexualized in school, the whole gender, you know, fluidity thing. Um, you know, once they get out and start to become older, it really has to screw them up. So you, you said it's diabolical, and I completely agree. Um, is that, is that the essence of, of the left? Are they as a whole diabolical? You know, I've, I've thought about that a lot because when you're in the kind of inner workings of policy and politics, and then certainly just this greater, you know, it's not just Democrat, Republican or whatever, it has become so much more, uh, principles that are very much in conflict with each other and the lefts, the pillars that they stand on, I believe are intrinsically diabolical, most of them. Um, and I, I would, I don't want to call everyone who considers themselves liberal or leftist evil, because I think a lot of people are ignorant, but it's become so blatant, the evils that are being committed, particularly the attacks on innocence. I mean, abortion, it's 2023, we have three-dimensional ultrasounds. Some of the arguments that were used for abortion, even 10, 15 years ago, they don't hold if you have five minutes of time on your hands and Google in front of you, you know? So some of the the pillars that are being fought and the hills that they're dying on are so obviously wrong that it's, I'm having a harder time defending people that buy into these principles. But I do believe there are, there's a, an inner group at the core that is diabolically evil, that knows that what they're pushing for is evil and they are exploiting uh, very vulnerable people. I mean, a lot of the, the children right now that are having, being groomed for trans uh, hormone blockers and trans surgeries, like these are very vulnerable people who are suffering immensely, who are being exploited by a movement that could not give less, you know, what's for their yeah. actual well-being. So um, it brings it brings forth a, a question. So I, I do have done some talks at colleges on the issue of abortion. And what I see is I see these kids that are, it's it, there. I don't, I think you're right in the sense that I, with technology, they have to know that it is killing, right? They have to see it. They see the the data, they see the pictures, the images, and so on, and yet they stick with it, right? What do you think that that is? Do you think that that's just pride? Do you think that they're just brainwashed? What, what do you think it is? I think brainwash is a good word. There's so much, there's been so much indoctrination, particularly with the abortion issue. They've been using the same cheap, but very costly talking points. You know, my body, my choice, it's just a clump of cells that those phrases have been repeated for decades. And so I think that's part of the issue is that there is some brainwashing and that is very much happening. I think also we're jaded and this is why I've kind of come to see the news as problematic because shock value has become so uh, we've become desensitized guys stuff to shock and to trauma. You know, the first school shooting, everyone was mortified. It was unthinkable. And now it's like, Oh, you know, it's in the new cycle for three to five days. And then we move on. So I think that's part of it is these kids have probably seen such 
horrific graphics in their lives already that an aborted baby is like, oh, mm-hmm. that thing, that's gross. <laughs> you know, they're not thinking about the gravity of what they're looking and at. And so, so what do we do? I mean, you know, besides fighting, besides educating and informing, you know, as you, you worked at obviously a, a live action, we love live action in organizations like that. And in spite of all that work and, you know, the work that many people are doing, we're still fighting this um, every day where, where, again, it seems like in a way, you know, it's not getting better. It seems like who would have thought five years ago that we would be talking about giving kids hormone blockers and hiding that information from their parents? What do we... Yeah, it's kind of, it's crazy where we are right now. It's, it really is. And I thought five years was crazy. You know, five years ago was crazy. And now it's like, oh my gosh, like you said, some of these things are, if you made a movie, a dystopian movie about today, 20 years ago, people would think it was unrealistic. It's crazy. But I, I've come um, to be more and more convinced that as Dostoevsky says, beauty will save the world. And, you know, politics are falling to the ground. The news cycle is kind of dying out. It is kind of like the individual journalist, the, the, the good parents who are getting together with other good parents and fighting these fights at their local community. Um, I went to a school in Front Royal, Virginia, and a lot of the alums stay in the town and they ended up, some parent had their four-year-old child bring to him a book that had, um, you know, objectionable pornographic content in it. So they went through the entire public library, children's library, find like 130 plus books that were objectionable at, mm-hmm. at best. And so then they fought and they, they're continuing to fight and they're continuing to fight to get these books out. Like that, that is really where I think it is grassroots. And then, like I said, at first beauty, the reason sound of freedom, I think had such an astounding impact and they so far surpassed their goal for views is because it told a story that was compelling. It was so excellently portrayed you know, the, the, the value of the production was incredible and it wasn't corny. It wasn't like, okay, this is just embarrassing. You know, it was so compelling. It really drew people in. And then it started, you know, those wheels in people's brains thinking, oh my gosh. And it barely scratched the surface. I mean, it didn't even really cover sex trafficking in this country at all, but it still made you think about those two kids and how it affected them and their family. So, and I think I'll just touch on live action a little, that organization, you know, the largest digital pro-life organization in the world. I think the main reason they have had such success is because they portray the ugly with excellence, beautifully, compellingly. And that's how you you draw in the mind and the heart at a deeper level than just, you know, spitting out facts and data and all that stuff that people who don't want to hear it Mm -hmm. aren't going to hear it. And, um, so, so what um what are you doing now? I know you you kind of alluded to doing a, a handful of different things. You were on Capitol Hill. What what are you doing now? Um, right now, I'm a barista. <laughs> so I actually left the news um, a couple of different reasons, but it, it was a childhood dream actually to be a news anchor. And so this opening came at One American News, and I hopped on it, and it was not uh, for a few reasons what I was hoping it would be, but I really, in that time, kind of came to see the news, like just portraying a fact, and this happened here, as harmful. I don't think it's making the world a better place. And I, I, like I said earlier, I think it's jading us to horror that should be, you know, waking us up and compelling us to action. I don't think it's doing that. I think it's giving us an adrenaline rush, maybe, for five minutes, and then we're on to the next. So uh, right now, I am preparing to move cross-country back to the East Coast. I'm from outside Boston, so I've been in the West for almost three years, and 
preparing to move East Coast, and um, I'm at the very baby stages of developing a nonprofit organization that will be um, educational content, primarily online, kind of hoping to wake America up to the horrors of child sex trafficking in this country, primarily in really educating on the reality and the gravity of yeah, that That's issue. great. That's great. You'll have to definitely keep us uh, posted on your progress in, uh, with the nonprofit because that is uh, so necessary. So when we were texting uh, back and forth a little bit prior to this and we were talking about the, these, these particular topics, the, the topics that we're discussing that you're, you're passionate about, uh, one of the things that you said is that ultimately it's, it's about Jesus Christ, right? And, and, that's where we all need to turn, whether it's our kids or it's us as adults. Uh, tell me about the impact of your faith and why Jesus is so important to the people of this world. Yeah, I, that is the question, I think, for all of us. Um, I don't know how people who don't believe that this are even managing because it's so rough right now. And it it seems like you said to be getting a lot worse, not better. So if our hope was in resolving the issues of today here and now and making this world work and perfect, or at least good enough, we'd lose our minds. And it's obviously tempting to tend toward that because we do want to do something about the problems. And we absolutely should, you know, we shouldn't just be sitting in our homes doing nothing. I'm not advocating that at all, but at the end of the day, this is so much bigger than politics. It's so much bigger than left versus right. There is a battle for each and every soul and it is being fought by demons and angels. And I'm just such a firm believer that, I mean, this is biblical and a lot of people will say it's the end times and you got to go get your mm-hmm. tin hats and your canned goods. And I, don't, I wouldn't propose that, but we absolutely have to get up every day. Remembering this is not, this is so much bigger than what we see. And if we don't have faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in reality that he has already won and he's conquered this world and Satan will lose and Satan will be in hell for the rest of eternity, then it's all a bit depressing and dismal. So I've, I've contemplated this question myself and, and I don't know if I have the right answer, but I've asked myself, why does Satan want our souls? Right. I mean, if he can't, you know, he can't, based upon what we believe, you know, if he, he can't become God, it's not like if he gets enough of us that we're aware of that he suddenly takes over God's spot and revert, you know, changes roles or something like that. But why, why does Satan want our souls? Do, what would be your, I know, sorry to throw a pretty, you know, high level question out on you spontaneously, but it's something I've contemplated and I've, I've always been curious of what other people think. No, that's a wild question. I don't know if I've ever thought about it, but it's a really good one. Um, Well, very simply, misery loves company. And we see that among humans. You know, there's something about those, those of us who can't get out of our own muck and won't face the reality that we have incredible responsibility in our own lives and the trajectory of them. We have a hard time not wanting other people around us doing just as bad because that at least makes us feel a little better. Obviously, Satan is not a human being, but his fall was pride. It was the reality that he was not the greatest. Um, I've heard, I forget which theologian, but I've heard it said that there were other angels who were assigned to each individual who, when they when they realized that their responsibility or their duty would be to man, they refused. And they also were obviously damned. And so those are evil forces that are fighting every day for each individual to fall. So in the way that guardian angels help us, there are angels assigned to each of us who are 
evil and trying to hurt us, um, which, you know, take or leave it. But I believe that. And I, I think that pride is so ugly and gross and Satan is so like his fall and all of it was just so rooted in like self and pride that of course he wants as many others not in the fullness of the kingdom and the light and, and what God had given to him before the fall, you know, Lucifer means light. He was one of the greatest of the angels and he gave it all away. He threw it all away. And we all have that choice. That's what free will is. We all have the choice to say, thank you God for saving my life and my soul. I accept or no, thank you. And yeah, I think he wants as many people. Yeah. Doing what he yeah. I, I agree. I think that's, I, that's the same conclusion that I came to. I think about, you know, people, you know, human beings that are, that are really evil, they seem to want to bring other people down with them. Right. And I think that that's what evil does. Evil seeks, um, you know, evil on other people. That's just nature. That's how people, why can people murder? Right. I mean, what do you gain from murdering someone? I mean, you know, unless there's a, you, you, I guess you can gain a benefit to some degree or other, but there, there's really no ultimate. I think about um, uh, Cain and Abel, that story, and I've heard Jordan Peterson do some really great analysis on it. You know, when you think about, you know, Cain killed Abel, you, you know, really out of pride and jealousy, well, what did that accomplish? Did that suddenly make Cain better, right? No, it made everything worse. And I think that that's what Satan does is he convinces us to act on our feeling because it'll make us feel better. And then ultimately it, it really destroys us. Right. I mean, so, um, yeah, really, really, uh, I, I think we're in agreement there on that part. So, um, so I want to ask a little bit about, um, the, the gender ideology, fluidity, um, transgender stuff that's going on. Cause that, I, I believe that, you know, my opinion is, is the most unloving thing you can do is to, uh, cheer someone on who is transgender, especially a child who has no clue. Um, tell me, you know, where, where you think five years will be from now. Do you think we win this issue and things go back to normal? Do you think it gets worse? Do you, th where, where does it go? Well, it's with any issue. And we've seen this with post-abortive mothers. We've seen this with Riley Gaines, you know, women who have been very much affected by the trans ideology being pushed. There's now a new kind of more quiet movement of incredibly heroic people who either fully transitioned, you know, had their bodies mutilated um, or started the process of doing that and are now coming out and saying, ah, this is hell. Not only is this hell and was this the wrong decision, but this was pushed on us. Like I didn't really have a choice and I was a child and this is what my doctors told my parents had to happen or I would take my own life. So that is, I believe, the biggest uh, force we have right now um, against the trans ideology because, you know, people are being absolutely cornered and guilted if they say anything about not pumping children with hormone blockers or, or do, doing these surgeries. They're being told your child, parents are being told their, your child is going to take his own life if you don't go through with this. So what parent is not going to, oh, you know, you're going to panic. And then children end up, you know, teens, you know, teens probably a lot better than I do. They're rebellious. They, if they want to buy into this or they think that's what they want with their little teenager brains, then they're going to go against the parents. So it is a very, very scary fight. And I believe the biggest argument we have and the biggest push we have besides prayer and witnessing with love is those people coming out now and saying this, this was horrible and this was hell. And 
you know, they're incredibly brave people because the movement that glorified them and exploited them turns on them and silences them. And it's, it's, that's where, you know, this is evil. Like they don't care about your well-being and your happiness and your body, your choice. They do until you go against what's making them millions, millions yeah. of dollars. So I'm going to transition a little bit towards that same, um, you know, we're talking about education and what's going on in the schools. What we don't talk enough about, in my opinion, because I'm experiencing right now is uh, college and, and what happens there. You know, for example, my son, you know, explained to me, he's a, he's a sophomore in college and he's having to, you know, forced to take certain classes. And in one particular class, they are basically discussing how to make all these immoral things that we've been talking about, how to make those things normal and just, just everyday stuff. And so we even see this in college where people are just essentially forced. And my son says, look, I just sit there. What am I supposed to do? You know, and, and I get it. And, you know, he's strong enough to overcome that, thankfully. And I was, but a lot of people aren't. So what do we do from the case of like, he's an adult, right? He's an adult. What do we do in those cases? What can we do? That's also just wild to me that that's a class. It's like, how have we gotten to this point where that's a serious college level course people are taking, like how to normalize immorality and that which is hurting thousands of people every single year. I, I, mm, I think we start by humanizing these issues and that's how people like your son and other kids in schools and all of us can really enter a relation or a, a functional conversation with people who vehemently disagree with us. It's okay. Raising your hand saying, okay, what about those people that are coming out and detransitioning? Like they're everywhere. You can Google search it. They're everywhere. Or what about those mothers who statistically are astronomically more likely to miscarry or get cancer or have depression or anxiety or thoughts of suicide after an abortion? You know, talking about the people that this is actually affecting, because I think the internet has done a lot of harm, but it's done a lot of good in that these resources, these stories are everywhere. Um, I was doing research to kind of brainstorm this nonprofit idea. And my close friend who's going to help me start it, he said, you know, we need a story. You need to find someone who, who this directly affected that we can start this conversation with anybody about. And there's this girl, Letty, you can look her up, 13 years old, kidnapped in Texas, abused, sexually abused, trafficked, gets rescued. And then at 15 years old, took her own life because she was so messed up from what happened to her. That's how, this is how we kind of get people who are maybe on the total opposite. And, you know, they can't argue against that. Maybe they can try, but like, it's hard to do that. And we really want to change people's hearts and open their hearts because they have been so closed off by, like I said, the same talking points, a very aggressive ideology that is really stopping at nothing to gain followers, the left. Um, challenge them, challenge your thoughts, bring to them real people who this is directly affected and, yeah. and then have them answer. Yeah. And, and I think one, the other big challenge, and I know we, we, we saw this with, uh, with, uh, COVID and everything is, is censorship, right? I mean, you can't, from our perspective, you can't say anything. I can't post mm-hmm. anything having to do with the vaccine, for example, on YouTube. I've lost two channels already. Um, when I talk about the vaccine and, and, and I know this doesn't specifically have anything to do with kids, but in a lot of ways it does because we were, we were so lied to and manipulated in my opinion about COVID and the vaccine and it impacted kids. We know that increase in suicides, loneliness, all sorts of things, um, that, that went on because of it. But whether it's, you know, if we speak up about it, we're censored. 
if we speak up about uh, transgender, we're told, you know, we're hateful and the like. And so that's the one thing that I feel like is another barrier is just censorship of our side, even speaking about it. I mean, do you see that continuing too? I mean, I, I think it will. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why people like you doing what you're doing and getting back up when they close your channel and starting again, like that's, that's the only way we're going to do this. And I, there are so many of us that, that think the same way. And I'm not saying that because it's like, Oh, we're, we're going to win, but we have so many people, more and more people, even young people, which is really exciting who are waking up and saying, okay, that whatever's happening over there on the left, ain't it. And so there's power in numbers and it's why the mom and pop podcasts and little news stations and the parents that are going to school board meetings are starting to kind of rise in influence. I mean, you saw that with the Bud Light campaign, uh, with Target, people are starting to say, okay, wait, maybe you can silence our voices or try and take us, boot us from these very liberal social media networks. But we get to show up to these board meetings. We get to show up with the power of our purses and they're talking, we're speaking, and more and more people are waking up. And I think it helps that the left has become more increasingly blatantly mm -hmm. evil because people, rational people who maybe weren't one way or the other, or kind of more the mushy middle, are saying, okay, yikes. Yeah, like, this yeah. Is cutting crazy. off uh, body parts of young kids is uh, something that all people, regardless of who you voted for, or if you're in a union, or, or where, whether you're Christian or whatever, that's uh, kind of an obvious one that's wrong. So, yeah, yeah, people draw the line. So, well, this was this was really great. We could talk forever. I'd love to have you back on, Bridget. And um, certainly, when when you uh, when you start your your nonprofit, love to talk to you again about it. Keep up the fight. Um, how how can people connect with you and and follow you? Sure. Oh, thank you. Well. I have Instagram deleted right now because it's been a little bit of a mind cleanse, but um, I'm at Bubba underscore Bosco, B-U-B-B-A underscore B-O-S-C-O. Um, that's where I kind of kept everything for now, just on Instagram. But yeah, I'd love to connect, especially on the child trafficking issue. If people have stories, I'd love that. It's so underrepresented. This topic is so new. And I really kind of want to ride the wake of Sound of Freedom because I think it started to wake people up. But there is a whole world of, of evil being perpetrated against our children here in the United States that uh, I need to know more about. So any any information on that particularly, I would love to have that conversation. Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's how I found you, too. So uh, she does respond to those uh, on Instagram. So, well, well, Bridget, thanks so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Great, great conversation. Great stuff. Wish you the best. Let's definitely stay in touch. We and thank all of you for listening to this episode of VA's podcast. Please check out our podcast on apps on YouTube, Rumble, Wednesday at 7 Eastern, right Media.com.